You are now listening to What the Health, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate your way to better health. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 60 of What the Health. I'm your host, Lima Lahire, and today I have special guest, Dr. Seb Lomas, joining me. Dr. Seb is a biological dentist who focuses on natural integrative health, the reduction of inflammation, removal of infections and metals, and increasing structural function and airway expansion. Oral hygiene cannot be overstated, but as with all other aspects of health, dentistry is not a one-size-fits-all approach. I'm so excited to have him on the podcast. Welcome to the show, Dr. Seb. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's amazing. And uh, just grateful to be sharing this message that is so often overlooked in the systems that run our practices a lot of the time, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm sure everyone wants to know, what is biological dentistry? And how did you get into this field? I'll try and give you the shortened answer. So <laughs> <laughs> I think you introduced biologically biological dentistry perfectly in that intro. That That is literally the five pillars or so that we kind of work with but in a, in a nutshell it's removing all oral influences on pushing your body into a more negative balance and so you want to be what you're trying to do is create a balanced oral atmosphere to have no impact on overall well-being essentially and just just really diving deep into the biohacking perspective of that and having a look at the 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 biocompatibility of materials that could be in the mouth and whether that's you know mercury and metal fillings or nickel titanium metal fillings or even you know in our white fillings some of them can contain bpa plastics right so we need to make sure that we're going with ones that are biocompatible um then we've got the bit at the end you know with the airway and how the skeletal structure and the position of our teeth impacts how we breathe and how we can like focus our attention and sleep at night and regenerate and detoxify and that's just really coming from an even more step back position of being even like holistic and looking at how these yeah in fact it's a crazy story that I had someone yesterday a patient and I'll just run into this that she, she found me in the UK because her, she's got family history of um, cardiovascular problems and her parents and her grandparents died in their 50s you know and the first what she knew is they all had gum disease right and we know how gum disease can allow bacteria through the leaky gums to get into the bloodstream maybe cause cardiovascular plaques and things and then lead to cardiovascular problems and one of the first things that I picked up with her sitting in the chair for five minutes was she was breathing through her mouth the whole time and she had had you know and for me breathing through the mouth is constantly putting you into fight or flight because of the oxygen carbon dioxide exchange within the body and when your blood vessels are constricted in fight or flight, then, and your heart's pumping like that, then that's going to make you, it's like a vicious cocktail between the two, the gum disease and the, the, so it's really just not looking at one aspect. It's looking at all of the aspects and saying, how can it tie into that one person's overall picture of health and based on their family history, because it gives you those keys, right? And clues. Mm. Um, and I guess for me, how I got into biological dentistry, it was a very <laughs> convoluted journey as well to be honest with you like I I was from the age of I don't know what maybe like 9 10 11 12 I was always good at science and very logical very logic minded and my mum and dad were like well what do you want to do and it was always like well could, they're like what you know very parenty thing either you could be a doctor or a dentist or physio or you know something like that and I was like oh I don't really know so then I went and tried a little few of them out Anyway, I loved, I loved working at this dental practice. I went and did some work experience and I was a dental nurse, a receptionist, a assistant, a runner, all of these things. And I got to experience um, gratitude from patients. And that to me was, I think it's one of the only professions where you can almost instantly take someone out of pain on the same day, which is quite a big, intrin- I get shivers when I talk about that, you know, intrinsic like will to do for patients. And for me, it's a driving factor intrinsically. So I love that. Um, but I actually didn't get the grades to get into dental school first time round. So I thought, oh, well, maybe I just wanted to do dentistry to earn lots of money. Maybe that must have been it, you know. And this is the journey that it led me on that I 
ended up doing a biochemistry degree and going into this corporate Fujitsu services like IBM in London and earning great money. And the only day I looked forward to was uh, payday. And I was very ill at the time, chronically ill. I went traveling around South America and yeah, came back with some nasty bugs and funguses and parasites. And eventually that I found out, but conventional medicine wasn't working for me. And I went to immunologists eventually. Luckily for me, I had private healthcare in the UK. Obviously, we overrun by the NHS and I probably wouldn't have got to the end story if I hadn't had my private healthcare cover, which isn't normal in the UK. And um, yeah, he just said to me, well, what are you doing with your life? Well, you know, first of all, he said, it's, it's nothing to do. With, get off the antibiotics, get off the antifungals, get off the antiparasitics, look after your diet, take out the sugar. Luckily for me, I met my wife on this graduate scheme in London and her family is very holistic minded and open to all these things so that she was constantly pecking at me. Like, you should do this, you should do that. And I was like, no, I'm a scientist. I must do this and I must do that. Sounds <laughs> like um, me and my husband. <laughs> <laughs> but this is it. You have to have those eye-opening, you know, moments yourself to realize that yes yes medicine modern medicine is good for trauma but is it good for long-term health span probably not it's keeping you well um it's giving you a, a lifespan but are you a, are you living a long health span are you able to do the things what does vitality mean to you and you know that's what you've got to ask and I wasn't healthy I was 22 or three and going to I was, get, I was getting up and going to work at seven and getting home at four and sleeping until seven and I was like I'm 22 or three this is not how it should be and I had to go on that path and detox my system and do my cleanse and restores and la 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 but ironically what what when I went to that immunology she said well what do you want to do with your life and I said um well I'm quite intrigued about dentistry I've always had this internal pull to, to it when I was a kid but I never got in it's like did you get a good grade on your last degree that you did he said no I said, I said, yeah, sorry, I did. And he, he said, well, I'll put you in contact with the head of admissions at King's College London. And that's, that's it, <laughs> you know? That's how I got back into dentistry. And then from my wife's problems and my problems during my dental training, I knew that I didn't want to go into normal dentistry. I wanted to go into holistic dentistry because of my own experiences. And my wife had another story with, you know, I'm quite big on the sleep disordered breathing and airway expansion. She had four teeth removed when she was younger and constricted all of her airway and she had jaw joint problems and in the end she had to have expansion to get herself out of this chronic pain so I knew I needed to find those dentists to shadow and learn from while I was at dental school and uh, yeah that was what so I told you it's a long story but sorry <laughs> no it's fascinating um, I've had so many teeth problems in my life and it's it's just so interesting there's and there's so much revelation that I got in my own healing journey and it was you know, I've been very forthright about um, chronic pain for myself. And I know my jaw was such a big, had a big part to play in it. And I had braces as an adult. Yes. And then all of a sudden I started like cracking root canals and all these root canals I had to have done. Yeah. Um, I just had all of this like mystery facial pain. And then when I started to like heal my neck, um, I stopped wearing my retainer that I'm supposed to wear for the rest of my life. But I just like, I just knew intrinsically like this isn't good for me um and so it was true. holding it was holding my mouth open so this is a perfect segue yeah. into mouth breathing because it is something that I have wanted someone to come on and talk about I I just found out how terrible mouth breathing is for you um I forget who said it but they're like the number one cause of cavities isn't sugar it's mouth breathing yeah that was um um ask the dentist wasn't it on Instagram? yes yeah. yes um yeah. and then I heard another podcast talking about the increase in cardiovascular issues with mouth breathing um so much and to the point where I even got mouth tape and I was like I'm going to make a concerted effort and it's made a huge difference so I want to talk to you about mouth breathing and Gosh, why mouth yeah. breathing is so terrible for us well I guess how do we start here I think maybe we need to start at the beginning and how we, we, because what, what mouth breathing is, it's a survival mechanism. That's what we need to go to when we can't breathe through our nose, our mouth opens to allow us to breathe. And I guess the most important thing to remember is, you know, if someone's knocked out what the, you know, you put or critically ill, you put them into the recovery position, don't you? And part of that recovery position is lifting their neck up so they can breathe because it opens the airway. Mm -hmm. Now, what puts us into those 
areas of not being able to breathe through our nose is obviously you've got the normal nasal congestion routes, but that can be simply from just not using your nose. Because my biggest thing that I say to my patients, if you don't use it, you lose it, the number one, <laughs> because the airflow is not clearing out the sinuses. It's not mm. clearing out the inflammation. Then the carbon dioxide oxygen is used, your body's drive is used to the carbon dioxide that it breathes out and in through the mouth. So then it says, well, no, can't cope with that little um, amount of going in and out. But then you have things like polyps and I had a broken nose because I used to box a lot and I actually turned into a mouth breather. So I've been through this whole journey myself as well. I turned into mm -hmm. a mouth breather, breather from the age of like 18 to 21 until I had my nose corrected, the septum inside of it. And I saw my grades drop. I saw my, it was just like, but I didn't know any of this at the time, but on reflection, I saw my anxiety levels go up, but you know, it was just unbelievable um so all of these things can happen from one from a structural or an inflammatory perspective but if we go to the teeth and obviously I'm on here speaking as a dentist so let's talk about the teeth if you have malocclusions or crowding or incorrect tongue position which doesn't allow your top draw to grow in the way that it should grow genetically to your maximum genetic potential because obviously we've got all different genetic potential but actually 60% of our bone skeletal structure in our face is determined by function. And by function, that means breathing. It means swallowing. It means chewing. It means tongue resting position and lips being together, obviously stopping thing. So the first simple factor is anyone with kids, you know, from the age of zero, really, you want them to be every time, even when they're sleeping as a little baby, tiny little baby, just want to close their little lips and just get them to breathe in through their nose because that very slight air pressure in the nose actually forces, it's really hard to explain, but if, if like you imagine I was from the side, my maxilla is a flat thing or should be flat, which is where my teeth go into. Now, if you mouth breathe and your jaws open and the, the upper jaw, the maxilla, which has teeth either side, like a U shape and collapses inwards, that flat plane then arcs up to, to try and, because there's nothing pushing the teeth out. It's, it's really hard to explain, isn't it? But if you imagine if that flat plane, which should be here, arcs mm -hmm. up, it actually impedes your nasal passage. So then nasal breathing becomes harder. So if you have a crowded upper jaw, you are more likely to need orthodontic extractions for um, straightening of the teeth because not many dentists believe in expansion because it takes longer a lot of the time and they're worried about profiles of faces and things like that, which I don't believe. And I think we should be um, expanding everything back to our match maximum genetic potential. But as soon as you take any teeth out and straighten them in that position, you're still left with that skeletal growth of the maxilla into the nose, which impedes you from nasal breathing, more likely to be able to push you into mouth breathing. Um, so these are all the factors that can come into um, why you have to, why you end up mouth breathing. Not, and then we've got to talk around how, well, so first of all, let's talk about easy solutions just quickly. So if you nasal breathe, if you keep your tongue to the roof of the mouth, just behind your front teeth and you swallow by keeping your tongue to the roof of the mouth, not pushing it forward, just keeping it on the spot, just behind the front teeth underneath the gum, behind the front teeth on top of the gum, um, and you swallow in and upwards and backwards and keep your lips together, your, your, any, your kid, yourself, everything is going to feel more relaxed. It's going to drive the growth of the upper jaw forward. It's going to free up the lower jaw because if we've got a small, narrow upper jaw, our lower jaw can't come downwards and forwards. And the, the crazy thing is our lower jaw is a thing that determines the airway size and where the breath comes down behind the back. And let's not forget if the tongue can't live in the upper jaw because the teeth are too small, it has to live in the lower jaw. And if it lives in the lower jaw, the bulbosity of the back of the tongue we forget when we look in the mirror, we're only seeing a third of the tongue. The two thirds of the tongue is at the back down the throat. So if it's not living in the roof of the mouth out of the airway, it's more in the airway, which means you're even more likely to have to mouth breathe to be able to breathe properly at night, especially when we're rentally resting. So all of these tiny little factors I try and influence from all ages, whether you're zero or 95, you know, you can try and make some changes into each one of those. And the reasons I want to do it is because reasons we're going to get onto now, why is mouth breathing so bad, which is your question, right? And for me, mouth breathing, well, first of all, you're not humidifying the air that goes into your lungs. You're taking bacteria, um, probably, you know, viral 
particles, fungal particles, straightly straight to the palatine tonsils. So a lot of these children or adults get recurrent tonsillitis or inflammation in the tonsils. And guess what? That leads to more mouth breathing because there's even more obstruction in the, in the um, airway at the back of the mouth. And if you're not doing that, then it leads to chest as well. If the tonsils are getting taken out, then you get more frequent chest infections and asthmas and things like that. So they're all the very quick local acute things that could go wrong. Um, then uh, over time and over time, if you're, I suppose I mentioned at the beginning, didn't I, with the, the balance within our system, because here's not something everyone knows that the more oxygen we breathe, the more damage it does to our cells because oxygen can actually, is an oxidant and oxidizes things. You know, if you light a fire, it's burning through oxygen and heat and, and you know, energy. So our cells need oxygen to survive, but they, you don't want too much because it actually can destroy the, ox, the, the cells as well. So you need this very fine balance um, to have your body like moving in the way that is efficient uh, without causing too much damage and inflammation at the same time. So, so breathing through your mouth can give you too much oxygen. Yeah, you can hyperventilate, right? Mm. And then that means that you are um, using too much, you're causing damage to your cells, which leads to low chronic grades of inflammation. And that then causes things throughout your whole system. And I went to a conference in before all of this COVID, um, Amsterdam or Netherlands, I think it was. And we were talking around like the, the pathophysiology and how it leads to all these things. And essentially that when you are mouth breathing for extended periods of time, you're obviously getting this there's a scale of sleep disordered breathing. The first section you have upper airway resistance and the end part you have your sleep apnea, where you have to wake yourself up to be able to breathe at night. And obviously you're disrupting your sleep more so in the sleep apnea, but everything's affecting your sleep because you're moving out of those deeper REM, um, deeper sleep cycles into the lower sleep cycle. So you're not detoxing, rejuvenating. And I think I did a, uh, shared a post from Dr. Lynn the other day, which was about the glymphatic system in the brain and it needs to be in the deep sleep cycles to actually shrink your brain by 60% flush out all those toxins from thinking all day and then um and then you know re when you get up ready to go again so you're not feeling fatigued and tired because it's been able to do everything working from a better position now if this is happening constantly over years and years and years they're linking it to obviously alkalinity in acid acid in the body so you've got um cells then start to dysfunction and obviously when cells start to dysfunction you can get mutations in genes and potential cancers and cardiovascular problems dementia problems through vascular like lack of blood flow you know it the, the list is like anything I, in fact i did a presentation at this summit in just at the start of the new year and the it can lead to a basically any low grade chronic inflammatory disease so the only things it doesn't lead to obviously is your viruses your fungus your bacteria, you know those type of things the acute thing the acute inflammatory um, infections but it can lead to all of these things that we you know most people are just saying we don't know why it's being caused you know like our low grade chronic inflammation or me or fatigue you know that's your body dysfunctioning saying hey i need to help and mouth breathing could be you know i think for me, it's like the hidden epidemic for in some, and that's why I take it so seriously for all of my patients. And I would say 90% of people I see will have some signs of sleep disordered breathing within their mouth, which is just, wow. like, you know, crazy. And maybe I'm one of those people that has a hammer, so I'm looking for a nail, but you know, it's never going to harm someone. You're not changing things that are going to harm them. You're teaching them to keep the tongue in the roof of the mouth. You're teaching them to breathe properly and that's it right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's, that's yeah. easy. <laughs> and, and to touch on um, nasal congestion, mm. I was a person that always struggled with nasal congestion, always like my nose is running all the time. I'm not kidding. I started to be really conscious of mouth breathing. And after like two or three days, my nose stopped running just wow. from breathing through my nose. That's and amazing. that's when I was, I was like, okay, something's really going on here. Um, and like I said, I got rid of my retainer, which um, when you have adult braces is a big no-no. Yeah, of course. But it was um, my Nuka chiropractor. I don't know if you you know what Nuka chiropractic is. It's where they- no, I don't know, actually. Yeah, it's really fascinating because I had all, all these neck issues from whiplash and a, 
a traumatic accident when I was 13, but they just work on the upper cervical spine. And it's very light pressure. Everything is by measurements, which is taken from x-rays. So it's just like, it kind of looks like voodoo, but it it's legit. And she talked about like, maybe you should think about your retainer and how you move your tongue and how you swallow. And I know, and it made such a huge impact. So I feel like we need to really get this message of, of mouth breathing. And I take it so seriously too, like to the point where Kevin, my husband, I will be on a walk and I'll look at him. I'll be like, you're breathing through your mouth. Stop it. Oh, yeah. My other half hates me for doing it. Too. It's so funny. <laughs> okay. So mouth breathing, we know got to stop it. Got to do everything we can to stop it. Now let's talk about some common dental procedures that can go awry and what some potential alternatives could be. Yes. Perfect. So I'll do it in a systematic way. In fact, just quickly on, on why you feel, this is my perspective on why you feel so much better because you've released, you've taken your retainer out because your teeth can move slightly again, because what the retainer is doing is the, the most orthodontics that we have as adults is straightening the arch form. Mm-hmm. And when we're straightening the arch form, normally it means we have to file teeth or we have to bring them in and restrict the arch form a little bit. But the only thing that doesn't get smaller is your tongue. So then like, remember when I was talking about the tongue position, because you've, because you've, you've trapped it in a smaller cage, the only place for it to go is backwards, which is why you clench and grind more because you're yes. trying to keep your airway patent at night and open. So that's my perspective on it anyway, but it's fascinating, isn't it? The clenching and grinding was out of control. Like I was, you know, talking about getting Botox for TMJ and like doing all this kind of stuff. And I took my retainer out and started meditating and my TMJ issues. Yeah. Yeah. And let's not, let's not forget that stress and clenching, um, stress is an inflammatory releaser. It releases inflammatory markers that's proven. Mm-hmm. And they then cause inflammation and that narrows your airway. Because if you imagine your airways like that and then inflammation closes it a bit more, you're, you've got less space to be able to breathe. So I bring it, I'm, you know, obviously I'm very passionate about this and it brings it all back to those points, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, and I just got to the point where I'm like, okay, if my teeth, you know, my teeth are really crooked, I had to get teeth removed. I had lots of crowding. Um, and I'm just like, I'm, I'm just going to have faith that my teeth will stay how they're meant to stay and they're going to be functional and I'm not going to be in pain. Right. Exactly. And the thing is, if you change the habits that cause the malocclusions in the first place and the teeth won't move as much. And if you're swallowing in the right way, not thrusting the tongue forward, you've got enough space for it. You know, you'll keep you're not mouth breathing because obviously that causes collapsing, collapsing of denser arches as well. Tongue to the roof of the mouth. There's going to be very minimal movement. Probably, probably if anything, it's going to be equal lip arch expansion, which is awesome. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of these dental procedures that can go awry? I'm thinking like root canals and, you know, lots of other kind of common practices. Yeah. I mean, for the first I always start with the gums first because it's just easy. Everyone's got, you know, everyone understands gums and bleeding gums. And we touched upon it at the beginning. And my whole thing is, is it a reflection of how your body is internally? Because it's a, it's the same mucosa that's in your stomach. So gum issues can ultimately be a reflection of um, how your tummy is, your small intestine and your large intestine. And so what, what I always say is look to, work with your own nutritionist, look to get some food sensitivities under control. And let's not forget if we've got um, the vitamins deficiencies, you know, like your A's, D's, E's, C's, the gums, then it should resolve itself if you've got good oral hygiene techniques. And my favorite one is oil. So for me personally, you know, we have to actually say is, is plaque a good thing, right? And it can be a good thing because it can, and it has been proven now to remineralize teeth, but you've got to have the right balance of bugs living within the mouth to have those positive um, remineralizing effects. Now that goes hand in hand with gum disease because if you've got positive bacteria living in the bugs in the mouth and the good bugs, you're not going to have inflammation in the gums because they're working to support your gums. So the, the inflammation in the gums is key. So oral hygiene being being fine um but if it's not and you're not looking after it then that's the first thing that can go wrong because like we said with the cardiovascular problems and 
you know, neurological conditions, plaques in um, Alzheimer's have been shown to have bacteria from the mouth in them as well, which is just crazy. Yes, yes, um, I, I did know that with Alzheimer's. I know. So, you know, keeping a nice oral health routine, keeping the balance in your mouth, not clenching on the teeth because bleeding gums can also come from pressure that's being put forced upon the teeth, which loosens the ligaments that hold them into the bone because it relaxes them. Um, so that balance is really imperative. And, I, you know, there was a point where our practice didn't, didn't used to um, see any patients until the gums were stopping leaking because you're potentially causing bacteremia within the bloodstream of someone. And, you know, you can have really horrible acute conditions like endocarditis, where these bugs actually go in and start eating your um, valves in your heart, you know, and that's life-threatening. Very rare, obviously, but, you know, that's just from leaking gums and dental cleaning. So I think for me, my top tips for the oral hygiene are in the morning, now I know I've got a good balance. I actually don't brush my teeth. I cook an oil pool with a essential oil that balances the microbiome and I tongue scrape and I use a, an essential oil based um, mouthwash, which I swish after I've oil pulled just to pull all the rubbish off. And my, it's funny because I, I started this like three years ago now. And for me, I was like, oh gosh, will my breath smell? You know, that's the number one thing that you think, will my breath smell? No, never. It smells so much better because, and the other thing is your teeth feel squeaky clean because when you oil pull, it coats them with like this saponified layer, which makes them feel great. And obviously I don't advise doing this if you've got any type of dental disease going on and always go and see your dentist and check that, you know, there's a balance within the mouth. But if you've got a balance, then it's, it's worth trying and looking into the research yourself. And then, then in the evening, we've got to spend a lot of time cleaning between the teeth. Um, and I use a water jet, you know, like the little floss, water flosses that go in between the teeth, like probably four or five nights a week. And then the other nights I use actually the interdental silicon ones, um, the silicon, because I don't like the ones that have metal or bamboo in them that poke the gums, because if you cause bleeding yourself, you're causing bleeding. This is meant to be tight to the tooth right for a reason and then brush your teeth as normal at night and that's the most important time for me brushing at night when you've eaten food all day mm -hmm. and if you don't mouth breathe at night you've got good bugs living in there you're not drying out the saliva you're not allowing bugs to um you know go crazy <laughs> because it's so and that's the biggest common about biggest biggest most common cause of bad breath is mouth breathing at night and waking up in the morning with bad breath because your saliva's dried out saliva does not um remineralize the teeth does not wash away the bacteria so you're eight to ten hours or however long you sleep you're, you're not you're not in that again positive place of balance right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that's, so that's the gum. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes do you use tea tree is that the essential oil that you use i use tea tree yeah i use a blend um some some people know it's thieves or on yep. guard and i use that as well i use thyme and oregano I use very small amounts of these oils, though, because you want to microdose them, really, because they are my take on essential oils from my biochemistry degree. And this is my um, influence of it. They're not like antibiotics because antibiotics kill everything good and bad. Yes. Yeah. And for me, essential oils um, are the technical term is bacteriostatic, which is like creating an imbalance, uh, uh, yeah, an imbalance in a positive way. So you're you're creating a negative environment for the bad bacteria to live, but a positive one for the positive ones to live. So then it comes more in balance. And coconut oil itself, which is what I do oil pulling with, has antibacterial fungal properties yes. anyway. It's so, yeah. Yeah, 100% yeah, the caprylic acid in the mm -hmm. coconut oil and oregano. I know you call it oregano. I call it oregano. <laughs> it's antiparasitic, antifungal. Yeah. Um, yeah, thyme, rosemary as well. Oh, fantastic. So that's the gums. What about like cavities, um, root canals? I know you talk about root canals too. And I've had like Definitely. six root canals. Like I mean, the first thing to know, let's start with the cavity because it's like a yeah. progression, isn't it? And yeah. you know, you, you're really, uh, I'll hear some fascinating professionals around the world talking around the, the <sighs> The teeth being an extension of the, the lymphatic system and and it's true because you have a tooth that's a crystal but within that crystal tooth which is porous by the way mostly even the enamel has got four percent porosities in it so it can absorb and um like if you sat there drying your teeth they'll change color because they dry um and 
so uh, imagining that, that you have this live li living organism within the crystal of the tooth and you have a very small lymphatic flow that goes from within to without within to without and it takes i think i can't remember what the stat is but it's like one oh, one mic micro micro something tiny that it takes 24 hours when your body's in health it takes 24 hours for it to push out the tooth but what that does is it stops bugs from living within the porosities of the tooth and bacteria when they get the ability to and then obviously you've got your saliva washing away and things like that on top of it but if you mouth breathe if you've got intolerances or allergies or um, you don't brush your teeth and you don't wash it away and you've got mineral deficiencies nutrient deficiencies and the biggest one i see unfortunately is veganism cavities everywhere you know because you're not getting those fat soluble minerals and nutrients and i love the ethics behind veganism don't get me wrong i love it but you know i've seen so many sad cases of these you know people in the 30s and 40s and their teeth and gums are just everywhere and it makes me so sad um, hormones and hormones it's just a, yeah. a wreck isn't it yeah so if that is all out of balance then of course your tooth's not going to have that positive flow and it's going to be fighting against something that's got more onus on it you know those bacteria have more presence because they're not being washed away and then those porosities become infiltrated and then they when they're digesting their food they release acid and then that dissolves the crystal minerals. So if you imagine you had a crystal and you put it in acid, it would start dissolving. That's what your teeth does. And it's only when it gets within that. So you've got enamel, then you've got dentine, and then you've got the nerve and blood supply in the middle. And it's only when it gets usually between the one third of that dentine layer to the nerve, then you start getting pulpitis, which is inflammation of the nerve. Mm -hmm. And what I try and do, obviously, before that, and in fact, I saw someone on Friday that traveled a very long distance to try and save a tooth and the ability when it's got progressed that far to try and save a tooth is you have to use many anti-inflammatories um, in terms of ozone therapy and gas once you've cleared as much of this bacterial layer as possible and the softer layers of infiltrated stuff you have to anti-inflammatory and use a material that's very nurturing to the tooth and regenerative of the nerve called biodentine which is the one that i use quite a lot to try and save teeth and it's not a hundred percent guarantee but it's worth doing because that's for the stage of a root canal um, because when it goes to the irreversible pulpitis, when it's gone too far and the nerve has either killed itself off from the inflammation, trying to get through the roots of the tooth, because most of the time our teeth die, it's through inflammatory, inflammatory purposes, not infection. It's your own body trying to fight it, getting through those tiny little holes in the end of the roots that it's cut, it starves the blood supply and then it dies. And then a couple of months later, you have an abscess because then the bugs continue to eat and, you know, your body's trying to fight it off. So You've got to try and get as early as possible. And it, the remineralization process, if, if you have a cavity within the enamel layer, now, I, for me, it's watch and wait and, and heal other aspects of you know, life and nutrition. And you review and x-ray in nine months, six months, and you see, do, I, do actually, do we need to do anything? And a lot of the time we don't because the body's at that state of balance again. But when it gets into that second layer of dentine that becomes even more porous, there's less chances of being able to do it. So that's unfortunately when we need to use um, a drill and, and biocompatible materials. And, and obviously the risks around root canals and you know what, and we've got to be honest, it's not really a guarantee that you're going to get a disease because you've got a root canal. It's, I say to my patients, it's all around managing risk. If you look after yourself really well, you're fit and you're healthy, your lymphatic system's working, then you don't need to do too much, right? You can, and you can have it. I informed consent, you have at the top of your mind that I have some potential areas of bacterial hideouts because I've got, my teeth haven't got that lymphatic flow anymore, right? Bugs can live in all the porosities now, leach into my periodontal ligament, and then my system has to deal with it through um, the lymphatic system and drain it and get rid of it and detoxify from it. But if you're coping with that detoxification drain on your lymphatic system, then there's no need to rush to a biological dentist and get them out and have your implants in or have your bridges in or have a denture in, whatever, whatever the option is. But you just have to be aware that that could be a cause of something going on. And that to me is the biggest thing that's never told. And a lot of the time root canals are overprescribed without trying to save the tooth first or getting to the root cause of why there's inflammation within the tooth because you can have inflammation within tooth from the pressure you're putting on your teeth and grinding yeah. because your ligaments inflamed, you know, 
so many things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had to get a bunch of my root canals out because I knew that they were causing me problems. Yeah. Um, and I had scans on them and that showed nothing. And I was like, no, they hurt. They're hurting me. They need to come out. And then lo and behold, when I got them pulled out, there's cracks in them. Like they were, they were yeah. legit crack. Like there was no way to say that. And like just the pain was just, you know, significantly less having them out. Yes. So I guess the next question, which is a good lead up, is if someone has root canals and they're like, no, I actually think these are causing me issues. Second step is they're going to have to get them out, aren't they? So what is the best solution after they get the root canal out? Can they leave it? Can, if it's in their smile line, what are like, what are the best options? What are the best materials? Yeah, I'm, I'm not right in any way of the imagination but for me if you're adamant and you know and you feel or if you see on the x-ray and there's an infection there and you're not really fancying the idea of a root canal anymore um when you have it removed you've got to not so again it comes down to everyone's healing ability right if you're a good healer then you don't need to worry as much as someone that's chronically ill Whereas if you're someone that's chronically ill, the best way to remove a tooth that could potentially be infected or causing problems is you take out the tooth, you scrape all the ligament clean because that's normally where the infection lies or the bacteria lie. You And if there is a notable signs on the x-ray of infection, you try and get all of that gunk out, which is usually black and disgusting. It's amazing that it's within the jawbone, you know, honestly. And um, you use ozone gas, ozone water to clean it all out. I take blood from the arm. I spin it up and create a plasma rich growth factor and pack it back into the socket that's missing, which like preserves the, the bone. Yeah, exactly. Which preserves the bone. So it gives you more chance for a more stable denture. If you want to go down that route, a more stable um, implant or less of a dark line under a bridge or smaller looking tooth to make it look more aesthetic. So yeah, the, the, op- the options are do nothing and the risk of doing nothing is drifting of the teeth especially if you put pressure on your teeth so i normally always get my patients to a stabilized bite prior um to taking teeth out unless they're in obviously extreme pain then i can come to that later um and when we get to that place of balance we can take the teeth out um and i guess we'll talk about that maybe in a bit but then when we remove the tooth for me minimum of three months of healing before you have any more invasive surgery but like you say, if it's if it's at the front of um, the mouth, I, I normally just use a really as cheap as I can plastic little denture. It's not going to look good. Well, it actually does look surprisingly good, but it doesn't feel good and they don't tolerate it patients too well. But you, you just say three months minimum. And then once it's healed and that PRP, that PRGF has worked as well as it can, you have your implant consultation and or you have a bridge consultation and you decide or you get a better denture you know and that's that's the plan usually so you use like a flipper right for exactly you guys call them flippers eh? we don't really (laughs) (laughs) um you know with implants are there risks with implants and getting them there are yeah because obviously you've got two two implant roots you've got the titanium implant root or you've got the ceramic implant root um, for me, the more biologically um, compatible one is a ceramic implant because you're not you've not got an antenna in your mouth for electromagnetic frequencies. Number one, yeah, yeah. Um, which is partly why I remove metals from the mouth because there's been some studies that show um, when you're on your phone and you you call someone before it goes to the cell tower, it goes to your fillings and all the metals in your body as well. So that's pretty crazy. So you're acting like this transmitter. And uh, yeah, it's just unbelievable. So you would be walking around getting all these things. And and the frequencies, if you've got two metals in your mouth, the the circuit that it creates and the galvanic current can be at the same um, wavelength frequency as um, your neuro pathways and how your nerves communicate. So it can disrupt. And I've read, I've not seen, but I've read, you know, in a lot of the books, when I was studying holistic dentistry, people come in on a wheelchair and leave just from removing the metals walking. And, you know, that's just incredible, isn't it? If, you, if that yeah. is true. But, you know, these books aren't going to lie, I'm sure, these dentists around the world. Yeah. So, yeah, the risks are, I mean, and it's a trauma to the body. So, again, if you're chronically ill and you're on a he- healing journey from 
heavy metal detoxification or um, Lyme disease, you know, any of those ones that are really particularly hard to get over, wait for anything invasive until you've finished your healing journey. You're feeling fit well, almost at 100% or 100% would be my advice. And that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, for, well, that's what I advise for my patients, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Is a bridge less uh, risky? Well, depends because a bridge is um, attached to. Yeah, you've got to grind down those healthy teeth. Yeah. So if you've got two fillings, and now we have good adhesive glues within the mouth, but if you've got two fillings either side of the bridge that you can just take the filling out, not really touch the tooth, maybe do a tiny little bit of adjustment for the, um, the cavity to make it more adhesive, you then can just stick one in. And I've done that. And I say to the patients, it's not, it's not going to stay in forever and ever and ever and ever. But if it comes out, we stick it back in. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like we've... Because the, the studies show if you, the conventional bridges, you drill round the whole teeth and you crown them with another tooth in the middle. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're losing 60% of your healthy tooth tissue when you do that. Yeah, and yeah. there's 20% risk of the tooth dying. And guess what that leads to? A root canal or extraction. So I, I don't advise that. Yeah. Yeah. Bridges seem fairly risky. You know, I asked um, selfishly because I have, I, I had two teeth removed. I guess it was two summers ago when I was going through all of my chronic pain stuff and what a, a whirlwind it was. But one was a really back tooth, which is no problem. It wasn't like super important for chewing. Um, but this one, it's not a back tooth. So I've just left it because I don't feel at peace to, to go ahead and do anything. But I have sinuses that sit very low. Okay. So I'm worried about an implant but I'm also worried about a bridge. And so yeah. it's like, well, do you, do you get a partial denture? Um, my dentist, I'm, I'm friends with my dentist. He's like, you're not a partial kind of gal. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you'll see it. Like you'll, you'll see the clasps and I don't think you're going to like it. Yeah. So yeah like, they, are, they are better, but yeah. e- even the semi-flexible ones that look pretty good, they have these like gum clasps that go over the teeth either side. And then if it's a small gap, there's always a, a risk of you chewing and swallowing it or chewing it, it comes out because you stickiness yeah. and yeah. dentures are a, a replacement for teeth. Implants are a substitution for a tooth. That's the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. But with low sinuses, there are narrow, small implants nowadays. So they're not as risky, but you know, it's common practice to do sinus lift surgery as well to put more bone in there. But again, yeah. you've got to wait another three months before you have an implant after that. So you're going to have an invasive surgery for an invasive surgery. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm almost inclined to just leave it. I know like it, it puts risk with the teeth shifting. Um, I don't know. Is it an upper or a lower tooth? Upper. Yeah, upper is a harder one. You, you could almost get a little plastic retainer that you wear. Yeah. Be some nights of the week that holds the space. Yeah. Then you could leave it. Yeah, that's a good idea. Because I took my retainer out because it was like one of those really thick ones, right? And that's when I took it out, I noticed that a lot of my issues started going away. Yeah. Um, You wouldn't need a lot. You would need maybe two teeth either side and it just clips in. You wouldn't even have to wear it at night. You could just wear it during the day. You need to wear it six hours, basically, that's it, and to hold it. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I could just put my tongue in that in that gap for six months. I'm just kidding. That's a really bad idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you okay. could. It would hold the space. <laughs> um, speaking of, of braces as well, what are your thoughts? In North America, it's very common to just slap braces on your kids by the time they're like 10, 11. My husband's British. I don't know if what it's like um, in the UK now, but he's like, Parents, I mean, they, they do put their kids in braces, but I don't think it's as common as it is in North America. No, what are the risks with, you know, straightening our teeth if, if they don't actually need to be perfectly straight? And is having perfectly straight teeth even good for us? So for me, the street, the street, the teeth is a lesser thing to worry about. It's the skeletal formation. Mm-hmm. So really braces. Okay, so this is getting super technical. So if I get too far, let me know if it doesn't make sense. But the jawbone that holds the teeth is called the dentoalveolar process, the jawbone. Now, braces just influence how that bone grows. 
But if you have removable orthopedic appliances, that's what influences how your skull bones grow and how your jaw, lower jaw is sitting into your upper jaw, for example. So, and, and even before that, we can you remember when I was talking about the influence of the breathing, the swallowing, the chewing, um, and the nasal breathing, that actually influences how our bones grow anyway. So for me, you can, at the age of six with kids, you can start influencing them how they breathe, swallow, chew, and sleep in like these gum shields to take the teeth apart so they're not clenching on them to allow the space to grow, holds it into a neutral position. Now, if you then are seeing it after you've been, and they're about eight, nine years old, and you're seeing, well, there's a little bit of malocclusion, we're not quite getting there. Then, then for me, you again, you want to try and grow the jaws to allow the lower jaw to come down. Because the biggest common, the most common thing for sleep disordered breathing and TMD and headaches and sleep apnea is the skeletal discrepancies between the upper jaw and the lower jaw. When you've got a small upper jaw, the lower jaw is trapped back or you get a big lower jaw, which comes forward loads because it's it's like freed itself. Um, so, yeah, for me, you don't do braces until they're 14, 15 and once the, the skeletal bones have grown enough, the arches are formed, and then you want to straighten the teeth because braces only straighten teeth and yeah. small alignments of the jaw bones. That's it. No skeletal growth. None of the big things that make the difference, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, I even say this to my adult patients because we can, we're not working with growing bone in adult patients. We're working with remodeling bone because our, our skeletal, our skeletons are remodeling all the time, aren't they? So we can apply very light forces. Obviously, it takes a much longer time in an adult, um, but it then starts to influence how the teeth are looking and how the jaws are functioning. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. because skeletally your teeth move, if, if, you, if, you, if your skeletal bones change, your jaw bone will change and then your teeth will look wider or different. So for me, that's number one. And the alignment is at the second part for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like to me, I think eight years old is like really young to spot braces mm -hmm. on someone like, really young and and even like if someone's teeth aren't you know like those chiclets they're like they're they're perfect but they're you know straight like I don't why touch them like why why mess so with true. that right yeah you know it's it's so true and I've I mean the only thing that I've noticed that if we put them on that young the chances of relapse are much higher because again we've not corrected what's caused the imbalance in the first place with the breathing the swallowing the chewing you know mm -hmm. and then we're back to square one at a later date when we've got less chance so if like anyone listening definitely look at myobrace and look for local practitioners that can do myobrace or myofunctional therapy when they're young mm -hmm. if you're noticing their teeth are coming through a little bit crooked or they're grinding their teeth or you know anything like that and then you can do that for a couple of years and just see, you know, I always say it's about, you know, 28 teeth in a straight line, fingers crossed for the wisdom teeth. Mm -hmm. But um, you then, if you're, if you're influencing the balance and they come through and you negate the need for braces, just from the way that you're breathing, swallowing and chewing, that's fantastic. It's worth a try, isn't it? Who's not going to say no? Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's obviously only the finances. It's the downside because you're paying for something much earlier to, to maybe negate the need for something later but for me it's worth it because you're instilling habits that are actually working with the overall health you know like all those things we touched on at the beginning from the mouth breathing you know that's it's it's allowing people to breathe through their nose as well so and a lot of the it's sad because a lot of the patients that I treat obviously are very clued up on this already because they found myself and the type of dentistry but it's the pa the people that don't know yeah yeah, yeah that's sad and, and, you know, like there's a lot that you can do too with manual manipulation, yeah. um, like through cranial sacral therapy, like they yeah. go into the mouth and like massage the tongue and like, you know, free up some of the, the musculature if it's tight because it's not functioning properly. So, I mean, that can make a big difference too. Huge difference. Cause that's, what's holding all of the muscle, you know, which with the Maya brace, you're influencing how the muscles sit and how the pressures of the you know teeth are sails so let's just think of them like that so if we're if someone's thrusting their tongue forward to swallow all the time you'll notice their teeth are sticking out like that because the tongue's pushing it forward mm -hmm. if someone's not if someone mouth breathes and their lips up here the lip will go even further up but if they've got closed lips the tongue pushes which it shouldn't but the lip pulls down tongue pushes lip pulls down so you're just actually create it and in kids you notice it really quickly because the bones changing so quick 
But in adults, it's very hard to influence once the bone's more solid and set. It's like once every nine months, our bone changes a little bit. Wow. Wow, it's fascinating. I mean, like, we just go on and on. I want to touch on (laughs) two other topics. (laughs) Um, You talk a lot about diet and supplements. So what are some no-nos for oral hygiene? And what, what kind of, like, dietary recommendations do you make for keeping a healthy mouth? I believe in true balance, really. So, you know, a little bit of each of the macro food groups. And when you're looking for your food groups, organic where possible, obviously, and grass fed, pasture raised meat, you know, things that have been treated in a humane way, because it passes on the same message. And if we get really like spiritually out there, um, even the plants that we, yeah, even (laughs) the plants that we write, the they are a form of light storage from the sun. So if we if we take your time chewing and allow the light to go into the crystals of the teeth, which activates the tooth meridians, um, but also even if you're just chewing slowly, you're actually allowing your body from a scientific point to get more of your enzymes in turned on, stomach acid turned on. So you're going to digest it better as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely look out for intolerances and allergies. Listen to your body with inflammation and bloating and maybe keep the diaries of foods that don't work because that impacting your absorption in your gut. And that could be leading to deficiencies within the body, um, which obviously impacts teeth. And if you're going to supplement, which I do agree with, I do supplement myself quite a lot. You just got to go with the natural food sourced ones that aren't, and as close to the source as possible. Like this year we invested in a vitamin D lamp, you know, with UVB bulbs rather than taking vitamin D3. Um, because I felt that we were short circuiting the cellular process of D3, because when it goes onto your skin, you, you, you know, it, it then stores in the, um, cholesterol, it then goes to your kidneys, activates things there. you know, it's like a whole process that you're missing if you just take the supplement. So I, I agree food is the best place, but I don't think we get as much now. And, and this year I've started trace minerals as well, you know, carbon-based trace minerals, because I think mineral fixes are a big thing and they, they're like the cofactors in all of our cellular enzymes. So y- you just want to be as close to source as possible mm-hmm. and as natural as possible and supplementing where needed. And I guess the only way you know is if you test, unfortunately, yeah. just to keep on, on level. I, and two years ago, actually just after the first lockdown for me, I was like, I was in the garden all the time, sunbathing. It had just come to like spring, summer for us. I don't like vitamin D to be great. I tested it. It was only like 30 30 micro mil micrograms of mil or something I can't remember what the, the thing is and it was meant to be 50 to 70 and I was like oh my gosh you know because you can't just rely on natural in the UK anyway we're right we don't get we don't get vitamin d six months of the year no, so sure. you're saying for you guys I think isn't it yeah yeah I mean Calgary is very sunny I think it's like one of the sunniest places in North America nice but like yeah you don't and they there's a it's pretty routine for them to not look at vitamin d levels here in Canada yeah and, yeah. and it, don't forget the sun. It's not even just the sunniness of it. It's the, 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 um, what's the word? Not the altitude of the sun, you know, like the, how high it is in the sky. Yeah. If it's, yeah, any, yeah. If it's below 30 degrees, then you don't get vitamin D because it's the UVB rays won't penetrate yeah. the atmosphere, which yeah. is just interesting. So yeah, huge. And a lot of the, you know, originals like Dr. McCola and all the health original people, they moved to the equator, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And this whole like slap sunscreen on 24 oh. seven, like I know I don't wear sunscreen. Um, if, if I'm going out for like a long period of time when it's summer, maybe I will, but like, I don't wear sunscreen every day. No, we make our own. We use like coconut oil awesome. and you know, some essential oils. And yeah, yeah I've been to, um, and also it's about your, your essential fatty acids that you consume and your, your omega threes and your vitamin E's. And if you don't have a good balance within your cells, you're going to burn more easily because it's not as used to it. Mm-hmm. So, or can't, can't provide as much resistance. So you've got to really, um, but yeah, be on top of that as well. There's so much, isn't there? It's not a simple way, but I think it's because we're learning so much now mm-hmm. and we're understanding so much and it's how much you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And what I love about your approach is that it doesn't just look at one factor and that's, you know, such a failing of, of modern medicine is this compartmentalization 
that it does and we just really can't and and as you've proven dentistry is no different like mm. i mean you could get ultra spiritual and say like you know there's shame that's associated with the mouth and you know like there's all these different things um that that are associated with our mouth and that show show out i mean like you we could go like really into it but Absolutely. that's a that's a thing too right yeah it is it is yeah I've had a few patients that, have, that work with traumatized patients themselves. And, you know, the mouth is the first thing that is the, the no, no. And it's just, yeah, it's, you know, especially when you get really deep into things like that, it's quite, it's quite incredible. And then that's the first thing that's neglected. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's just this vicious circle. And like in, I'm seeing, well, I've seen a few patients in their nineties that had, you know 80s 90s that have all of their teeth removed when they were 20 because it was a wedding present you know because it was cheaper to do dental care because of that yeah. and they can't eat food anymore because all their bone doesn't support dentures they're not big yeah. enough for implants so they're dying of malnutrition more than anything else yeah you know yeah which is swallow properly yeah no yeah it's crazy wow well, like I said, we could just go on and on and on, but I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I always like to end the podcast with some fun questions. Okay, go. Okay, I'm ready? Okay. First question. If you were stranded on a desert island and can only pick one food to eat for the rest of your life, what would it be? Wow. See, this is my logical mind. It'd have to be something that I could eat for all meals. <laughs> but to be honest with you, I'm thinking something like, a potato because it depends no I wouldn't have an oven though would I avocado avocado nice yeah yeah 100% love avocado <laughs> what's the best meal you've ever eaten mm. there's been a few but for me I was in the Maldives for our honeymoon and we went to this Japanese restaurant on the island that we're staying and it was just the most incredible, um, just fresh fish really, like unbelievably fresh fish, just, you know, yeah, incredible. And, and for me, it was just, yeah, that was just the aspect of health for me. And it was raw, raw food, raw, fresh fish, all raw. And you just thought, how can this taste good? But it did. And it was just, yeah, for me, the best meal I've ever had. And it was probably the scenery. So Yeah, I was it, just so. going to say, probably the atmosphere also really helped. <laughs> <laughs> On your honeymoon. And... Yeah, in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what is your least favorite food? Oh, I'm really, I'm one of those people that's so positive and, and doesn't really have negative thoughts or you know, foods, but for me, what I would, I don't, I, I eat everything. This is the thing. But for me now, it's like really refined. Like it would be like a candy that I used to eat when I was a kid that I just mm-hmm. couldn't, couldn't eat now. And you can't even call it food, I guess. Mm-hmm. But for foods, I'm every herb. I don't mind the taste of. I'm too boring. I like everything. But what would I not like? This is really hard. It's a good one though, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe something I've not tried before you, that I'd be a bit worried about, you know, like a, you see on, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, a, like a bug like, that I was like, like crickets. Yeah. I think was that there, would be. Was there that big like cricket phase in the UK? There, It was here. Like also they made cricket protein powders. I'm just like, I can't. Wow. No, there wasn't. That's interesting. Yeah, it's like crickets, eating crickets, chocolate covered crickets. They're dried. I just can't. Wow. No, no, that wasn't a big thing here. Yeah, so I don't really have a, a not very favorite. I don't have a not very. Yeah, boring, aren't I? I like it all. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, we'll go with uh, we'll go with some candy then. Yeah, then. I think it would be you know like those toxic waste. I don't know if you ever heard of them no oh my gosh when I, I used to do a paper round when I was younger and I used to it was at a post office and I'd get these toxic waste little things and you put them in your mouth and they're just like lemon grassy and like oh. blew your mouth. yeah like so intense that I just think no we'll, we'll, we'll be won't we'll be seeing you to pick a mix anytime soon then yeah <laughs> although I do have a I do have the worst food in the world I have kryptonite my kryptonite is fudge like English clotted cream fudge 
that's the only naughty thing I have anymore. So if I'm out and about, you know, local homegrown or home cooked, tiny little town and it has its own fudge, I'll be like, give it to him. Give it to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's my mind. 90-10 rule. I think you've got yeah. to be really strict 90% of the time. And not strict isn't the right word. Enjoy your lifestyle and living, but you've got to relax mentally as well, haven't you? And enjoy these things when mm-hmm. they appear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I still have to get my husband like twirls. I have to go down to there's a place called British Pantry and get like twirls and Yorkies because <laughs> love that. Love that. Yorkies, not for women. The advertising was for that <laughs> in the UK. Can you believe that? <laughs> I married the patriarchy. <laughs> you should bring that up with him now and be like, "Is that true?" <laughs> I'm not getting it for you anymore. (laughs) That's hilarious. Oh, I'm going to bug him about that. (laughs) What's your favorite travel destination? Yeah, I wish we could travel more right now, hey? But I've, um, I think Bali, we've been back to twice. So we've really enjoyed Bali and the ethos around it. And the people that go there are very like-minded and the practices that you can do and relax in and the, people are just very happy and grateful and yeah there's not much wrong with Bali and Maldives for the other thing for just pure bliss and relaxation but Bali for me was like yeah just fantastic and the food out there is fantastic as well that would be my second place that Mm -hmm. it's vegan food that just is you can't even describe the flavors in the mouth and yeah so so many organic places in Bali as well it's it's incredible amazing oh I might have to put that on my list what are some of your favorite books oh any books you're reading right now they're all dental ones everyone's gonna find them boring but but breathe by James Nestor I don't know if you've heard of that no it's all about the airway and the breathing and the nose breathing so everyone should definitely check that one on the basis that and it's actually a page turner and one that might interest you is um six foot tiger three foot cage which is around the lack of space in the mouth for the tongue and how that affects your overall system Ooh. so they were good and then um if anyone's really wants to get into biological dentistry and how it can affect health it's called it's all in your mouth by dr dominic nitschwitz which is also very good um and in terms of other books i'm a geek at permaculture and biodiversity type things i've watched all the documentaries reading all the books at the moment so I'm uh, if I can work after the first of April, I'm hopefully hopefully getting an old old farm and turning it into like this place that is just like a food forest, and that's okay. the that's the aim. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that would be like a pretty good life. Yeah, exactly. I want to be self sufficient eventually, yes. you know, but don't rush it there. Learn along the way. Yeah, yeah. There's a documentary. Um, I'm not sure. Do you have Netflix in the UK? Yes. Okay. I think it's called Little Farm. Oh, the biggest little farm. Yeah, the biggest. Isn't it so good? That's the one. That's the that's that's what I want to try and replicate. Not on that scale, obviously. It's huge, but you know, a a few acres and just do it yourself. Yeah, I'm just like bawling at the end of that one. It's so good, right? That's what that's that's one of the one. There's that one, and there was Kiss the Ground. They're the two that got me interested. And then I bought loads of books on the back of it and started just reading and how we can actually do it anywhere in the world. Yeah, I know. I just want like a little plot of land. I can have a greenhouse and maybe a donkey because donkeys can live for like 70 years and they're just so lovely. Isn't that, I didn't know that. That's something, 70 years. 70 years. Wow. I guess that's why they're always used for work. Yeah, there's a donkey sanctuary in the UK and it's um, not for profit. Wow. And it, I mean, she brings in like a million pounds a year. Like people support this donkey sanctuary and it's where these donkeys go to live out the last of their lives. And it, I mean, they're just kind of tossed to the side, but they've got lots of years left in them. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow, there you go. There's another animal to add to the farm then. Yeah, donkey. And a place, and a place to visit. Yes, 100%. <laughs> okay. What is the happiest moment of your life? Oh, probably the wedding day was pretty awesome. I've got multiple ones. The wedding day, the proposal, I was in Thailand on the beach at sunset. Um, and 
then graduating dental school because that was a lifelong ambition so that their type of the, and then getting my first job as a biological dentist so they're like the kind of parts for my life yeah wonderful and what advice would you like to leave our listeners with in regard to their health just hopefully take all the advice on board and just be intuitive in your decisions and understand what's going on listen to your body and um seek the knowledge yourself read the books have an understanding you know best I think a lot of the time and get advice I'm not I'm not someone that dictates anything to my patients I give all of the information they they make their own choices so do the same and work with your practitioners to do the same thing and if they don't want to then maybe move on and find someone that can right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and where can people find you um I guess Instagram is where I'm mostly active so it's biological underscore dentist and I think if you just search Dr Seb it would probably come up Mm -hmm. and then um my website is on wonderofwellness.co.uk where I put a lot of info on there which is going to go through a bit of a revamp in the next couple of months but hey Wonderful. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge. I just appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate everything you're doing. And it was such an honor to have you on. Oh, thank you. I appreciate everything you're doing. So thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, you have a good day. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained better insight into how you can be the healthiest version of yourself that you can be. Stay tuned for future episodes and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Always remember, you are powerful over your health.